This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the April 21st, 2023 edition of Views on the News from the Couch. A baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. Quick hitters. On the eve of the defamation trial, Fox News settled with Dominion Voting Systems for $787.5 million. Wow. Dominion Voting Systems sued over comments from the network, or maybe more specifically by their guests, that the 2020 election was rigged. I'm reading more and more about artificial intelligence missteps and even AI hallucinations. That is bad. But is it any worse than Fox News reporting on the 2020 voting or the gobbledygook media reporting on Russian collusion? And for that matter, if Fox News has to pay over their 2020 election reporting, should the other networks have to pay for their Russian collusion reporting? An MSNBC host said Fox News was stupid. All they had to do was add, if it's true, to their reporting and they would have been fine. I find that funny because a frequent listener a year back suggested starting the If It's True network. Say anything you want, just start it with If It's True. Secretary of State Blinken was a Biden campaign advisor during the election. A former CIA deputy director testified that Blinken was behind the declaration of over 50 intelligence officials that the Hunter Biden laptop was misinformation. You know, the Hunter Biden laptop that was real and not misinformation? An IRS supervisory agent requested whistleblower status per his lawyer in the IRS investigation of Hunter Biden. It seems his testimony would suggest that Hunter is getting favorable treatment and that differs from what the Attorney General told Congress. An MSNBC headline says abortion access and the future of American health care is on the line today. Really? Is this a sophisticated way of saying the sky is falling? Charges were dropped against Alec Baldwin for his role in accidentally shooting a camera person while shooting the film Rust. Moving on. Chile is the number two producer of lithium and their president says he intends to nationalize the lithium industry. As I read more on the linked Reuters article by Alexander Vegas and Ernest Scheider, titled Chile Plans to Nationalize Its Vast Lithium Industry, I wondered what our electric-centered economy will be like when key components are controlled by a few state actors. The article adds that Mexico recently nationalized lithium reserves and, quote, Indonesia banned the exports of nickel ore, a key battery material, end quote. Do you remember that Tennessee expelled two lawmakers and considered expelling a third over a protest at the Capitol? Well, I found this headline in Jezebel, whatever that is, interesting. Lawmaker who voted to eject Tennessee three resigns after sexually harassing intern. I think this is an example of framing, but I would call this bad framing. A baseball catcher can try to frame a ball that is close to the plate in a way that makes it look like it was a strike. But he can't frame a pitch a foot off the plate and make it look like a strike. And if he tries, it will probably piss off the umpire. It sounds like the representative was found to have sexually harassed an intern. That has nothing to do with the vote on the Tennessee Three. The article could have just as easily been titled, Lawmaker Who Paid His Phone Bill on Time Resigns After Sexually Harassing Intern. That would be stupid. So was the original headline. 
Business Insider has the link piece by Sindhu Sundar titled CEO says many of his remote workers didn't open their laptops for a month and only the rarest of full-time caregivers can give can be productive employees. The CEO allegedly made these comments during a company meeting telling employees they have to return to work at least four days a week. I'm not weighing in on the return to work thing. I do wonder what crappy management tools exist at that company that a slew of workers can do no work for a month and not get fired. If they can do that at home, I bet they can watch Netflix at work for hours on end while at the office. A frequent listener asked my views on Taiwan. You know, the whole we might get in a war thing with China over the insistence that Taiwan is a renegade province that is still part of China. Before getting to my views on Taiwan, let me tell you a story about a whole. When I was in manufacturing, I took several statistical process control courses. One stressed the need to flowchart the process. Start with your raw materials and visually represent the steps in the processes. One company they use as an example made couches. Early in the process, a worker would drill a hole in the wood used for the couch. Later in the process, in some fashion, the hole was filled in. Nothing was done with a hole in the interim. Something must have been done with a hole years ago, but when that need stopped, no one told the guy drilling the hole to cut it out. Pun intended. As I thought about Taiwan, the story of the hole came to mind. Is our policy towards Taiwan similar to the drilling of the hole in the making of the couch? It made sense at one point, but does it still make sense? Why would we risk war over Taiwan? I know why we might have risked war back in the 50s. We allied with Chiang Kai-shek in the fight against communism. And he was, it was he and his troops that fled to Taiwan as the communists took over. And similar to, similarly to why we supported South Vietnam, we believed in the domino theory. Don't let the Chinese government and the communist ideology advance towards the domination of the world. We can look back at the cost of that theory, the lives lost in Vietnam, and say it was a mistake. Maybe it was a mistake. Not just maybe, probably. But maybe it prevented something worse. My guess is it made sense early on, but we stuck with it too long. I think the mission moved from this makes sense to we can't show weakness. Back to should we risk war over Taiwan. I can buy the argument for the Philippines, or South Korea, or Australia. But does it really apply to Taiwan? My feeling on this subject is influenced by an article I read that said the Taiwanese are not doing enough to prepare for their own defense. I'm a firm believer that we should not be willing to do more for others than they are willing to do for themselves. If the comments about Taiwan not doing enough to defend themselves are true, then it is like Europe and NATO. The narrative a few years back when Trump said the Europeans should do more for their own defense was, for God's sake, the U.S. should not abandon their commitment to NATO, but the Europeans can. I guess we don't want to show weakness. Could be a reason to come to the defense of Taiwan, but we should think that one through, and it sounds a bit like Vietnam. Some point out that our economy relies on ships built in Taiwan. Should that matter? Maybe if there is a fundamental reason to come to the military defense of a country, the effect on our economy could be a reason to decide to defend the country. But it should not be the reason. 
At some point, we will probably be urged to take the approach that was taken with Hong Kong. Hong Kong was controlled by the British, but claimed by China. Eventually, Hong Kong was turned over to Chinese control, but with an agreement that Hong Kong would be treated differently for many years. I think 50 years. China did treat Hong Kong differently, until they did not. I assume a similar path would happen with Taiwan. So what should the U.S. do vis-a-vis Taiwan? Admittedly, that is the first time I said vis-a-vis. Hopefully I used it correctly. I guess the options are, one, here you go, take it if you want it. Two, a nuanced and ambiguous approach where China thinks we may defend Taiwan, but is not sure, like we've been doing for 40 or more years. Three, make it clear we will fight, fight, fight. I struggle with the nuanced approach because it may be that we would fight, 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 but the Chinese government thinks we will not fight. So they go invade and then there is a big shooting war. But maybe the nuanced approach makes sense because the Chinese government might maintain the status quo as long as they do not lose face by appearing to back down to the United States. Here you go might be the right approach, except that it would likely embolden the Chinese government for other takings and also cause our allies in the region to make deals with China that we do not like because our allies do not feel they can rely on us. Making it clear that we would fight, fight, fight might be the best approach, but it scares the hell out of me, and it might force the Chinese government to do something because face is important. It surprises me that after thinking about this issue, that I am in favor of continuing with the nuanced approach. I do think the nuanced approach would be better if we as a country get better. I was going to add a descriptor after better, but couldn't get the right one. I think we are too worried about pronouns, self-whatever, and microaggressions, and not worried enough about education, hard work, and building a solid economy for the future. And we are not worried enough about our runaway spending and the explosion of debt. The Chinese government is one of our debt holders, and that will not work out well. I've told the story in the past of a young Australian shepherd who was put in a fenced-in area with a ram. The ram was trying to kill the Australian shepherd, that's a dog, uh, while the Australian shepherd thought they were playing. All worked out well because the Australian shepherd was incredibly agile. I do believe the Chinese government wants to control the world. Many of us seem to be just playing. Are we incredibly agile? I think not. We need to be. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.